We got him. Let's bring him in. New York State Senator Dean Murray, nice enough to give us a couple of minutes, a busy uh, morning uh, for him as uh, he gets ready for a presser a little bit later on, I think in Mineola. We'll get to that in a second. We welcome him. Sir, how are you? Hey, good morning, TJ. How are you? I am doing okay. Uh, a lot of electricity here on the show this morning, early on. Um, the housing stuff. You and others uh, will be in Mineola later on? Is that what it is? Right. There's a press conference at 1130 in Mineola, along with a lot of local elected officials. And this is all regarding, uh, you know, Kathy Hochul and uh, this uh, $227 billion budget proposal and you know, that's that's a whole nother sidebar. We'll get to a couple of things there. Uh, but then there's the housing uh, deal. You know, the plan has uh, has certainly uh, caught a lot of controversy, and rightfully so. And, you know, you're looking at, uh, a Senator, this, uh, this major change, kind of a four-tier system, right, for rezoning areas within a half mile of train stations. And it's a mandate. That for stations within 15 miles of the city's boundaries, most of Nassau, by the way, the zoning has permitted an aggregate of 50 units per acre. I mean, come on. Uh, We've had people on here. They are outraged over this. I'll tell you that much. Well, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, we have local elected officials in place for a reason. These local elected officials handle the zoning and the codes and things like this that result in the quality of life issues that we deal with on a daily basis. So who knows better their situation and where something should be and shouldn't be than the local elected officials. And the people are the ones that elected them and put them there to represent them and their needs and their wants. So for the governor to come from all high and mighty and come down and say, you're going to do this, this, and this, and, you know, regardless... Uh, that it's heavy-handed and it's ridiculous. It, it will actually cause more problems than it's fixing. Listen, what she's trying to do in a nutshell, folks, is change suburbia. I mean, that's really what it's about. Uh, you know, her plans are all about liberating the island to be the best it can be, so she says. Uh, but why are you trying to do that? You know, I mean, we are already taken in by those making Crazy demands to change life in suburbia. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. What she should be doing is working with our local leaders to find solutions to a crisis that will help all in the region. Uh, and what she's doing here is is really harming our, our areas as far as suburban life is concerned. I, I can't understand this. Well, it's also, Jay, the same approach that's been taken with other issues over the last few years with this one-party control in Albany, and that is, you're going to do it my way. I don't care what happens. You're just going to do it my way because that's what I say. For example, the village of Patchog is like the model of what we want to do. They have TOD, transit-oriented development, in the downtown area. You had New Village that went up just a couple blocks away from the train station. Over the past few years, because of their planning and the way they've done it, they've done it right. Because of this, over the past few years, you've seen 575 more units built in the Patchogue area. Of those, 150 are considered affordable 
housing. And there are plans to continue going. They're like the model of how you do it right. They expanded the sewer system to handle the uh, added and additional usage. They are still working. And, and you see, if you don't do it right, you still have problems with parking, but they're working on that situation. But if you do it wrong, the sewage, the garbage, the overcrowded classrooms that will come in the schools, the, uh, the overtaxing of the emergency services, and, of course, you have things like garbage and waste and sewage. But, but Patchogue did it right. Do you think the governor reached out and talked to the mayor and, hey, how did you guys do this? No, there was no conversation. It was, you're going to do it this way, period. He really did. And he had vision a long time ago and it worked. So you're right, 100%. Why not reach out to a mayor of that magnitude? Uh, he saw something. Pick his brain a little bit. Well, you, know, you don't have that anymore, you know? All, all we have is, you know, and especially coming from her the other day, you know, to increase the, the MTA payroll mobility tax. I mean, that's not an answer to plug a hole from a fiscal standpoint, you know? I mean, it, 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 it's like what I said yesterday. Where is the MTA's accountability with all this? Oh, my goodness. You hit that on the head, Jay. I mean, listen, you, you saw the headlines earlier this year. The MTA lost, this past year alone, lost over a half a billion, with a B, half a billion dollars in fare evasion. In other words, turnstile jumpers or those that jump on the train, take it for a ride for a stop and jump off. You could fix those problems. The, the turnstiles are easy. You do the top-to-bottom turnstiles instead of the side-by-side -side where you can jump over. You do the top-to-bottom. It'll cost a few million dollars to install all of those, but a few million dollars to install it one time to stop the loss of a half a billion dollars, to me, makes a lot of sense. But do you think they're even discussing this? I mean, where's the accountability first before you start reaching back out to the taxpayers? You know, they preach and say, health care costs are too high, we need to do something. So now you're raising the tax on hospitals? Because the hospitals are still paying the MTA payroll tax. So you've now increased it from 0.34% to 0.5%. So again, hospital costs are now going to go up because they've got to cover this. It, it, they just don't think it through. They're basically governing by headline, governing by press release. They just want the headline that sounds good, but they don't worry about the details. We're left to clean that up. And that's why you're seeing New York lose so many residents and so many businesses, which also means we lose jobs. Listen, the MTA urinates on itself all the time. Uh, and listen, and because I'm on radio, I put it that way. But they do that. And I've gone back to the days of, of the chairs from way back. Okay? And then John Oliva has to take a little accountability here. I'm sorry. I'm starting to hand out with the bailouts and everything else. Come on. And they can't even get the homeless deal correct. They're responsible for a lot of that. And they block Jake. the bed all the time. All of the time, I am so sick of it. And then they threaten to raise your fare every other year. I mean, at what point? At what point do we draw the line, folks? It is an absolute disaster. But they yeah, get every, out of their own way. Every single time that Tom DiNapoli has done an audit on a section of the MTA, they and I mean every single 
time, they have found millions of dollars in waste, fraud, and abuse. And yet, do you think they made, took corrective measures to clean it up and to fix it? You know, when I first got in office in 20, back, back in 2010, 2011, we, we and my colleagues were calling for a forensic audit of the MTA. It would be done by now, by the way, had they done that, where we would have uncovered every single bit of waste, fraud, and abuse, and we could have cleaned it up. And I'll tell you right now, we would have been saving in the billions uh, if we had done that properly, or they had done that properly. But again, there's no accountability. As you said, you've got elected officials like a Kathy Hochul and some of the Democrat leaders from the city just saying, well, those, those poor people, we need better public transportation, so give them more money. Well, where do you think that money's coming from? It's coming from the taxpayers who are leaving in droves because they can't afford it. And then, on top of it, the criminal justice policies that have been passing have made it unsafe for people to ride public transportation. So that's the other side of the coin and the other problem. So when you drive ridership down, the fares are being evaded, you're losing money hand over fist because you're simply running it bad. So clean up your own act before you come to the taxpayers asking for more. And, and, and that's that's the deal. I mean, really. I mean, it, it's just one thing after another uh, with the M, with the uh, MTA. I'll tell you that much. Senator Dean Murray, Murray with us. Uh, press later on today regarding the housing stuff. Uh, you know, one final thing regarding judicial discretion to the state bail reform. Uh, you know, she touched upon a little bit. She didn't really, you know, what she did was, in my estimation, she dangled the carrot above our heads, but really nothing, nothing in my estimation, Senator, is ever going to change. And I have stated to the cows come home here, if you want change, you focus in on the judge having his full powers back. You also touch upon number two, disclosure. You must reverse the presumption on rapid disclosure of victim and witness information. And the third and final leg of this is discovery. Slashing the rest of it, you have to make it to a level that the labs and prosecutors can manage in a timely manner. And all this other stuff about, you know what, we're going to do a little here, do a little there, well, piecemeal here for a judge, nonsense. Full power's back on nothing. Zero. And I said this from day one. And again, not that you do not deserve a pay raise, sir. You are a wonderful leader. But in my estimation, with that, you know what? Let's negotiate a little here. There was nothing. And she gave you nothing the other day in the budget. You hit it on the head. You absolutely did. You you were 100% right. We were just talking about this the other day. That um, Now, I wasn't in office when the pay raise vote took place, so I didn't have a vote on that. I wasn't sworn in yet. But, uh, but we were even saying, Governor, if you want this and you want to do this right, why aren't you negotiating with those that are screaming and yelling and saying they want it? Why don't you get something back for it? And she did nothing. And the bad news is this. This is just the governor's proposal for the budget. Now what happens is the Senate puts together their one-house budget proposal, the Assembly puts together their one-house budget proposal, and then the horse trading and everything starts, and the negotiations and the hearings, and you come up with a, supposed to come up with a compromise budget to vote on. This, unfortunately, 
is the best version of the three that you will see. And that scares you. It should scare you. Um, as far as what she's done is discretion with the judges and everything. There is so much that needs to be fixed. And you're right. She just dangled a little carrot and said, why don't we, why don't we dip our toe in the water instead of jumping in and doing it right? Uh, so you're not going to see any kind of changes to bail reform in the Senate proposal or the Assembly proposal. So this was the best you're going to get. So it's going to be a fight over the next uh, month and a half, Jay, to get to where we need to, to be. He has to do is look at those uh, those two guys, Senator Murray, who were picked up and put in custody yesterday on the on the spree of uh, of burglaries and everything else. And one of them yelled out before getting in the cop car, "I'll be out in the street by lunchtime." Oh, absolutely! That's all you need to know. These and guys it, know the laws, right? The criminals know it. This is nothing but incentive to continue committing more crimes when they know they're getting, I mean, less than a slap on the wrist. And imagine being a law enforcement official right now or a police officer right now trying to enforce the law, trying to do the job you love, trying to protect the community, but knowing I put the cuffs on him now. Before I'm finished doing the paperwork in the office, He's laughing, smiling, and walking out the door back home to commit more crimes. And by the way, we had a hearing last week on all of the criminal justice statistics. And, of course, the press didn't cover this part, but the statistics that are being put out there were, I mean, they were not even close to being complete. When you talk about recidivism, and you talk about repeat offenders, the numbers they're giving, Jay, and I think you mentioned this a few months ago. You, you were right again. You mentioned it a few months ago. They're not doing the counting and the numbers right. When they're giving us the numbers of repeat offenders, they're counting the criminal, not the crime, meaning this person gets arrested, released with no bail, commits another crime, gets arrested. He's counted as one but then is released and commits 17 more crimes. They don't count those crimes. They just say, well, he's still just one. So there was only one repeat offender. So the numbers you're seeing as far as recidivism and repeat offenders when they get released isn't even close to reality. It is got to be 10 times what they're telling you. And I'm being generous saying that. They also don't count they give you the numbers of who appears, right? So they're saying that, oh, no, when, they, when we're releasing them with no bail, they're coming back, they're appearing before the judge. No. Here's their, they're only counting a portion of that, too, because when they made the bail reform changes, they stopped arresting people for misdemeanors. They gave them desk appearance tickets called DATs. They're not even counting the DATs in those numbers. So when somebody, somebody's in there and they're breaking into your car at 3 in the morning, you call the police, they come, they show up. They used to arrest them and take them to jail. Now they're not allowed. They give them a desk appearance ticket and send them on their way so they can go next door and break into your neighbor's car. And that's, they're not even counting those numbers. They're not counting whether they show up or not. So, again, even though they're saying the number is, is pretty much steady, what that really means is, we're way, way through the stratosphere uh, high with the number of people not appearing when we let them go. So they're not giving the whole story, and that all came out uh, in the uh, statistic, the hearing the other day, and, and the press really didn't report on it. And we've been, we've been saying forever, 
Senator Murray, we've been saying it forever regarding the recidivism rates as far as how an Andrea Stewart-Cousins thinks. She's, see, she says it's only 2%. But when we get the individuals who are right then and there, you know, like the Jim Quinns of the world, who worked in the Queens DA's office for 40 years, and he'll tell you, you know what? Where did she get that number just what you stated? Recidivism yeah, rates are, are off the charts. Off the charts. 40% plus. I don't know where she gets 2%. You explained it well. Yeah, they're only counting a certain number. They're not counting all of the crimes. In fact, they're not counting most of them because most of the crimes are not felonies. They're misdemeanors. Well, all misdemeanors now get a desk appearance ticket, and they don't count those because they're not appearing. They're not being processed. They don't get processed until they come in. And so they're not even counted in the statistics. So it's a joke, Jay. It really is. And the biggest headline that should have come out of that hearing is they're using terrible, faulty, made-up statistics. They're not even real. And that's what we've been saying all along. And they, they admitted it. In fact, I directly asked the question about the desk appearance tickets, and they, on the record, said, we don't count those. I mean, it's, it's disgraceful, Jay. It really is. I mean, and a perfect example of what I, what I said the, uh, the, a little before. You know, guy gets in the car, cuffed, and says he'll be out by lunch. You know, probably having a cup of coffee with Bragg by 2 o'clock. I mean, listen, it's no joke, but this is what it is. This is what it has come down to. And as, as far as, you know, the turnstile jumping, uh, how about embracing cops? Maybe somebody who wants to become a cop can, can have that come to fruition. Because it's meaningful. It's meaningless right now. And that's why you got 4,000 left on this, less on the streets right now. Terrible. It's all god awful. I, I tell you, I wouldn't want to be a police officer today. I, I have nothing but respect for them with, with, with what they go through. It has got to be so frustrating to try to do your job and realize that, they're, like I said, you make an arrest and they're out before you're finished the paperwork. It, it has got to be frustrating. All that work to get somebody in and paperwork, it's just it's all for naught. That's what it is. Who wants to be a cop? It's terrible. You don't get appreciated at all. You can't even do your job properly. It's awful. Uh, never awful is you as far as an appearance on this show. We await 1130. More information. Uh, you, along with a contingent of people who care, Long Island mayors, present, Mineola, we await that. We thank you for coming on today. Hey, my pleasure, Jay. Thanks so much. Appreciate it all. Dean Murray.